Hello, Central fans. I'm Trevor Castle. It's been a while since I've last dropped into your feed, but we're back with another great Dutch memory, one that goes back more than four decades. If you look in the trophy case in the Kuiper Athletic Complex, you'll find the first ever women's national championship handed out by the NCAA for Central's victory at the 1981 Division III Cross-Country Championship meet. In this episode of the Dutch Memories Podcast, we'll take a look at how the foundation was laid for that championship team and relive some of the stories from a memorable season. The coach of that 1981 team was Mike Sullivan, who passed away in 2014. But the architect of the team was Bill Herzog, the first women's cross-country coach in program history. He came to Central College in 1972, and because he attended several of the races that fall, he was asked if he wanted to coach the men's team starting in 1973. I remember three, four girls or something came out and wanted to run with them and whatever. And I let them do some running with them. In fact, even that first year, I might have had one or two of the girls run a side race at some place where we were at, where there was girls teams competing. But I know that was the first program probably in America that combined the men and women's cross country team because I was the coach for both. And I always look back on that with such wonder and amazement and, and joy, uh, especially when the guys and girls got along together. In fact, as Herzog built the program side by side, he feels that the camaraderie between the men and the women was a big reason for their success. They trained together. They worked out together. We did a lot of stuff together. And so there was encouragement from the men for the women, and there was encouragement from the women to the men which I also thought was nice. They were so easy to coach and so easy to work with. And they were very loving people. So that, like I said, they fed off each other. If one was having a good race, the others, you know, they would encourage the others. And it was, it was all, everything was everybody caring about everybody. And if we were riding there in a van, I would give them so much hard time. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. That's another part of it, fun. It was a lot of fun. Even our workouts were fun. In those first years of the women's program in the mid-70s, Herzog had the handful of women who were already on campus and expressed an interest in running. He quickly started to do something that's so common now that it seems ridiculous that I'd even highlight it in a podcast, but it's because it wasn't nearly as thorough of a process at the time. I did a lot of recruiting, though, too. I have to be honest. I did. I was sending letters out when the kids were even in the sophomore years. That's how some of those girls I remember that were on that winning first winning team there, uh, national championships. The I probably contacted them their sophomore year in high school because I had access to all the papers and whatever, and so I would drop them a letter, of, you know, invite, right? Or I'd see them run at Drake their sophomore year. You know what I mean at the Drake relays. And uh, stuff like that, you you know, you'd go down and, and talk to the kids or just wave at them and s they'd see you and I'd say, yeah, I'm Bill from Central or whatever. I remember those things. And or if you were off at a meet someplace, whether it was over in the Quad Cities or, or anywhere or Iowa City to visit our school, and especially if we had the major or majors. Herzog started accumulating talent in the mid-70s, then put together a program-changing freshman class that arrived in the fall of 1978, including Lori Nolte, Cam Rattering, and Robin Rasmussen, who I was able to reach for this podcast. 
Rasmussen was a state championship runner in high school, but was only recruited by one college coach, Bill Herzog. I just owe so much to him. He was the only coach who called me, but he was just such an enthusiastic, fun, uh, quirky guy. Um, so I fit right in with him. We got along great. Herzog only coached that 1978 freshman class for one year, and he left Central after a dispute over his teaching position. Sullivan took over, and I asked Rasmussen about the transition. He was a character. I liked Mike. He he walked into a great situation. And um, like I told you before, I was kind of one of those along for the ride. I couldn't tell you what we did at practice or why we did it. I just did what I was told, where you might have another athlete who understood why we're doing all these intervals and why we have to do this in five minutes and that in four minutes and rest for three minutes and all that. But um, I just appreciated so much that he came and he knew what he was doing and that I could just trust that and uh, do what he said. And if we did what he said, that things would turn out the way we were hoping that they would. Sullivan led the Dutch to the AIAW National Meet in 1979 and 1980. The Association for Intercollegiate Athletics for Women was the governing body for women's sports before the NCAA included females starting in the fall of 1981. Rasmussen says that while they were having success in those two seasons of 79 and 80, she and her teammates were using some of the -the off-the-course skills that Herzog taught them during their one year together. He taught us how to recruit, and we ended up having visits from several girls who were at the time sophomores in high school and uh, they came to visit and five of them were in the top six at their state high school meet that year and all five of them were offered d1 scholarships and all five of them ended up coming to central and ran for us so that was my senior year that they were a group of freshmen two of those all-state freshmen to show up at central in the fall of 1981 were twins jan and gene sedlicek and I was able to catch up with Jan for this podcast. It just kind of happened, and we're all like, you're going where, and what are you doing? And, and we all showed up at Central. It was pretty, a, a pretty fun experience for a group of freshmen. With a load of talent returning from back-to-back AIAW national meet teams, including two-time All-American rattering, what did Sedlicek and her fellow Fab Five freshmen expect? We knew they were pretty good. We didn't know how good they were and um, at the at the level they were. And so as an incoming freshman, it's a little intimidating with the fact that you have five out of the six place winners at state the previous year, but then you have uh, the caliber of runners that were the upperclassmen. But the most unique thing about that team was it really was a family. They just took everybody in. They cared about each other. They made sure everybody got through their workouts, encouraged everybody. And that was um, probably the, one of the biggest takeaways that I'll have from that team is just how wonderful they were to incoming freshmen. Rasmussen appreciated the infusion of talent to give the team depth that it didn't have the previous two seasons. We got fourth in the AIW one year and sixth one year. And both times we had our top couple runners injured. So we had plagued with injuries. So um, to have that depth, that brought a lot of confidence. And that another thing that Bill taught us early on, you know, we when you come to Central, you're probably the number one runner on your high school team, or at least in the top couple. And you've probably had a lot of success um, winning a lot of meets. And then you come and all of a sudden you're not number one anymore. And that's that's a little lesson that every freshman has to learn. Like, I'm not top dog here. I'm just one of the one of the many. And Rasmussen says that she and her fellow upperclassmen embraced that mentality. 
we all knew that like, as good as we were, you know, our positions were not guaranteed, you know, because any one of us could beat any of the other on any given day. I think, I think four out of the five top five runners all were the number one runner in one meet or another. And um, even at practice, some of those girls you'll never hear about, some of them that didn't even make the top seven, they were great runners. Um, on the all-time 5,000 record list, nine of the top 20 today still um, were all from that team. And, you know, obviously two of them didn't even get to go to nationals because you could only bring seven. So, I mean, it was it was motivating. I remember thinking, man, because, you know, I wasn't the number one runner on the team, so my position was like it wasn't going to be a given just because I ran varsity for three years that that I was going to have a spot. Even twin sisters were battling for their spot on the team as Jan remembers the friendly family competition with Jean. She was actually the one that was on the varsity squad and I started the year um, on JV and she got hurt partway through and I got to move up to uh, the varsity squad and take her place. And so... Um, she was one that we're, we're always each other's biggest fans. We're the one that's going to push each other. Uh, we, we know what we can achieve. And so we always push each other to be the best we can be. And I don't know if I would have ever wanted to do it without her. All right, now let's get into the 1981 cross-country season. Meet-by-meet results are difficult to track down. Luckily, Sedlicek had the receipts to help me out. We ran at University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, and we got second. That was our first meet, and then we ran at the Norseman Luther, um, and we got third. And then Les Duke Invitational was Grinnell. We got first. Uh, we ran at St. Olaf, and we got third. We ran at the University of Iowa Invitational and got fourth. Pretty good for a small school. I'm going to cut Jan off right there for a moment to share one of Rasmussen's memories. Oftentimes there were, you know, we ran against Iowa and Iowa State and Drake. Some of those guys were at some of those meets. So um, that was always intimidating, even though you knew how you were as a runner. Um, still, you know, to hear hear names like Iowa's going to be there. Ooh, this is scary. And it, it was good for us to go into some of those meets and, you know, maybe come out fifth place. Um because it just made us all the more hungry to want to try to beat some of those guys. Okay, back to the results. But a quick hint, Central didn't lose the rest of the way. Uh, Washington University, we were first. Uh, the Central Invitational, we were first. Wartburg Invitational, we were first. Then Regionals and Nationals. Sedlicek admits that she wouldn't have remembered much of that if she couldn't find the records. In fact, that's one thing I found through doing these Dutch Memories episodes. Most people don't remember the nitty-gritty of most of the games or events they took part in. But Sedlicek does have a vivid memory from that meet at Wash U that started Central's season-ending winning streak. It was a rainy day. Um, It was kind of cold. None of us really wanted to run. And somebody said, it's not where you place within the team it's who finishes the muddiest if there's a you know you're following the cross-country line but if there's a puddle a little bit to your left your goal was to go through the puddle that's what was so much fun about that season is those type of things we're there to run a race we're there to win the race but let's have a little fun while we do it and it just builds um your camaraderie among your team So the Dutch win in the mud at Wash U, then win their final two meets before going to regionals. 
They won that meet, too. And other than it being a sunny day in Rock Island, Illinois, Sedlicek doesn't remember much except for what happened afterwards. At the time, Whitey's ice cream was the big thing, and it was in that's from the Moline area. And we stopped to get ice cream after the race, and we ended up having to pull over because we all got sick. Ate too much ice cream too soon after running. It's one of those, oh, pull the van over, here we go, everybody jump out. <laughs> Winning at regionals qualified Central for the 1981 NCAA Division III Women's Cross Country Meet on November 21st in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Yes, late November in Wisconsin. Average high, mid-40s. Rasmussen says that the conditions were not ideal. I was kind of bummed that it was snowing because I generally ran barefoot and I ran a lot of my better races barefoot. So obviously it was snowing. I had to wear shoes. <laughs> but, um, but other than that, you know, being from Iowa, we were used to cold weather and we knew that the, the good runners were going to run well um, all the way around from whatever team they were, um, whether it was snowing, raining or whatever. We all had the same conditions. You know, they didn't have all the athletic gear then that they do now. I was looking at some pictures after you called to try to jog my memory. Cam and I had on like, you know, thermal long underwear that had flowers on it. How dorky is that? But, you know, we didn't have any of that stuff. So you had to have the same uniform on. But um, all of our undergarments, whether it was a turtleneck, some were red, some were white, some were black, some were flowered, just whatever we could come up with, some were nylons. <laughs> so that was that was different. Like, what are we going to wear to this meat? It's going to be freezing. And while Robin's memories are on what they wore, Sedlicek vividly remembers something Rasmussen said that made a difference. So we're walking the course, and as we're walking the course, because we're like, how are you going to see the lines? Well, they, they lined part of the course with little American flags. And to this day, I still remember, as we're going the course, Robin Rasmussen said, every time you see that flag, you tell yourself, I want to be an All-American. I want to be an All-American. And that stuck. And we ran the course, and there was a loop you had to do a second time, and it was a downhill slope. And imagine, by the time over 100 runners go through, that hill is kind of muddy. And so we're coming down the hill, and people are sliding, and they're falling down, and you can count in front of you, because then it finishes on a flat loop. And I could see how many runners were in front of me, and I see the American flag, and you needed to be 15th to be an All-American. And so I'm counting the kids ahead of me, and I can do this, I can do this. I want to be an All-American. And my teammates were all ahead of me, and you don't want to let them down. And so was able to finish and ended up in 15th place. Five central runners finished in the top 15 as the Dutch completely dominated the meet. With 26 points, they blew out runner-up Trenton State, who scored 70. Rasmussen doesn't remember a specific strategy, but says they did have a general mentality at each meet. We tried to stay within eyeshot, uh, you know, of one another. And um, we always, I think as a whole team, we had a good sense of the, what was going on on the whole course, you know, as much as you could, because, you know, it's all spread out. But um, I think one of our strengths was we could see one another. And we knew where we were on the course or how many people were between us and the next. And um, we always tried to be mindful about that as much as we as we could. And if the, the bigger the field, the better for us, because um, we were all kind of generally in the, in the pack in the, in the front. Freshman Jackie Schwerz was Central's top finisher at Nationals, taking fifth. Nolte was seventh, Rattering ninth, Rasmussen 11th, and Sedlicek 15th.
for me, coming from Cedar Rapids and thinking about that as far as in the country, makes you feel really pretty good. It tells you, tells you what kind of team we had, what kind of coach we had, um, the encouragement that we received from everybody. I remember President Weller was there. And um, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, the president of the college is here. And how important that was that they were supporting our team. Rasmussen says that it also meant the world to her for Dr. Weller to attend the meet. I remember being shocked that he was even there, like, Dr. Weller's here. You know, we saw him go, like, what's, it's freezing cold, it's far away. Like, why would he come here? But, and it was really meaningful that he took pictures. Um, Because my parents, you know, back then, some of the parents came to the meets. It's not kind of like now where when your kid's in a college sport, you go to every single <laughs> time they, you know, perform. My parents came to one meet a year, and that was the one that would be the closest in proximity to them. So they didn't even think of going to watch me run at the National Cross Country. You know, they'd get a phone call later, and they'd hear how it went. So Dr. Weller taking all those pictures, that's the only pictures I have of me in four years of college, um, you know, running at a big race was the ones he took. And so I really treasured those, and um, that had such an impact on me that through the years, my daughter played softball at college, and, you know, if I noticed there were parents that weren't at the games or whatever, I was making sure to take pictures of those girls so that they had someone there who was like a mom or a dad caring about them and, and their their performance. And that's, that had a big impact on me that he, that he sent me those pictures. And how about winning a national championship? What kind of impact did that have? I knew what a national meet was. I knew what a national championship was. We'd been there a few times before, but it was always so dreamy and so, so lofty. And like, am I really here? Do I, can I really believe it? So it was, it was very surreal when we won. It probably took, it probably took a few months. And when you just start seeing the articles in the paper or the pictures, or you get the ring on your finger that you're like, wow, we did that. That was cool. It's also cool that this was the first women's national championship handed out by the NCAA at any level in any sport. At the time, I was pretty aloof and unaware. <laughs> Looking back, I mean, it's just really cool, and it's still surreal. It's like, wow, I wish I would have understood what that meant at the time. Sedlicek says that she's not sure that she fully understood the magnitude of that accomplishment at the time either, but it was certainly an important time for women's athletics and something she's proud she was a part of. When I was in high school, I hit high school at the right time. Had I been a few years younger, they wouldn't have had at, at my school, they, they wouldn't have had some of the sports that we were able to, but somebody established that and laid the foundation. And then we get to do that and be a part of that. And as I coached uh, various sports, in the, the last several years, I'm looking at all of these girls on how fortunate you are to be able to have these opportunities, these opportunities that can take you places you may never, never think that you can go. And isn't that wonderful? While he had been gone from Central for three years, Herzog was still following the Dutch and the athletes that he'd coached and recruited from his new home out west. I mean, my chest broke with, with pride and joy for those kids. I mean, they were they were such wonderful kids to begin with. That's what I'm getting at. I had such wonderful students at Central. And that teacher training program I had was excellent. The kids were just great. I was blessed. I, I was blessed in every way, and I knew that. And uh, I always thank God for it. I still do. 
Like all teams do, whether it's struggling to win games or celebrating a national championship, the Dutch closed things out with an end-of-season banquet, which Sedlicek says was especially memorable. Jim Duncan was our guest speaker, the voice of the Drake Relays, and he was fantastic. You could have heard a pin drop. He went through each week on where we ran, where, how we placed, who was the top runner, what was the top hit, physical was the top hit of the charts that year. And just to listen to him speak and know how much he knew about our team, just an amazing man that 41 years later, you still go, wow, got to hear him speak, got to hear him talk about our team and give us accolades and coming from somebody like that means so much. Let's close this episode of the Dutch Memories podcast with one last memory from Sedlicek. When I still hear the song Celebration from 1981-80, it takes me back to cross country. We used to carry a boom box. We would play music while we were warming up. And that was the one that kind of got us going. And so still to this day, I hear that. Takes me right back. My thanks to former coach Bill Herzog and to Robin Rasmussen and Jan Sedlicek from the 1981 Central College National Championship Women's Cross Country Team. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Dutch Memories Podcast. We'll have a new episode almost every month featuring a player, coach, game, team, or moment in Central College's storied athletic history. You can subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify so you never miss an episode, or just check the podcast section at KNIAKRLS.com. Dutch Memories is a KNIAKRLS production. I'm Trevor Castle, and go Dutch!